Hello, I am Megan Miles, and this is The True Crime Bride. The Shoe Crime Bride. I am Megan Miles, and today we have Erin back, my maid of honor. Thank Welcome. You. How are? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, uh, to be honest, we just re- this is our second recording in the night, mm-hmm. and uh, we we did a case before this, and Erin was like, "Let's do another one." I'm like, "Yes, I got you." You know when you watch, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Netflix. You were in the binge mood. Yes, I'm in the bingey mood. Yes. When you're like hooked on one true crime mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I need the next one before I go to sleep. Yes. So the previous episode, which probably will come out before, I'm hoping, I asked Erin what her highs and lows of wedding planning herself were. But I will ask this episode, how do you think I am as a bride? How have I been as a bride, like to your maid of honor? Yeah. Like, how have I been? Have I been crazy? No. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, my God. Tell me. No. Tell me, like, you you think I'm like organized? Of course. You think I'm opinionated? Like, tell me. Of course. Am I crazy? Or like, no. No. Okay. Megan as a bride. Yeah. Not out of your wheelhouse to be perfectionistic. Mm, 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 mm. Um, Completely organized. Oh, yeah. Nine page pamphlet. We love a pamphlet. Oh, honestly. Tell them how I read a Creatively? Tell them. Genius. Tell them. Beautiful. Oh my God, tell I them. I love, like, the aesthetic is picture perfect, crystal clear. Oh my God, we love that. Oh, because I'm glad I you think that. I love, like, a suggestion box, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I love suggested, okay, black tie, but what does that mean to me? Here's mm-hmm. a picture of a black dress and a shoe. And it's like, oh, I, it's like, thank you for giving me that direction. Mm-hmm. Like, you and I have had, like, I feel like a creative creative of the minds meeting yeah two hours long where we i wrote down everything that you said oh my god this is why this is why which i know is important to you and this is why like where we iron out all the details because like you know we only get one of these meetings i can't <gasps> do it the whole time oh my god, I and then i just you know mm-hmm. i'm gonna go in the direction that you pointed me in mm-hmm. i actually bought something for your batch Stop! should i tell you me? tell me no i don't know if i want to tell you if i want it to be a surprise you always put me in this predicament, and then tell we do me. this, and then tell you say, tell me, me and then I tell so you. There's going to be so many things. Okay, so I bought tumblers. <laughs> They're all different colors, and they all have little cute straws, Stop. and I'm going to have them, like, cricketed with, like, a cute phrase, but oh I don't know what the God. phrase is yet. Erin, that I don't makes know what the me, like, want to literally have diarrhea right There's now. 12 of them. <laughs> so I know we're going to be a big group. Yeah, it's going to be a big group, yes. for sure. So... What's new on your wedding front? How you are as a bride? That's where we're at. I'm That's where we're at. so glad that you don't think I'm. Oh, like, and annoying. I also. Oh okay. no, I absolutely do not oh, think you're you, annoying. I God. need. I need the direction. I need Ugh, the feedback, and I'm gonna take it and run. Sometimes, and, like lately, I've been feeling because because my life's so chaotic. I feel yeah. like I've been like dropping the ball. Oh, I feel the same way about me and my own behavior. It, as a maid of honor. 
Yes. No. I do. You do not say that to me right now in my house. <laughs> you would not say that. Oh, no. You I, would not say that I have. You. I have some texts. Well, they're in my notes right now of drafted that I'm what? still drafting because I, I worked on it on Tuesday. Oh, Erin. And they're going to go out soon. You but could I literally to sh- never fail. That you could sweet. never fail. No, I'm, I'm serious. You could never fail. Okay. The expectations. I'm glad this is being recorded so I can, <laughs> so I can play this back. No, you're when so needed. great. Like I, I, I have complete, agreed, utter, com- like but true you. trusting you, and I don't trust a lot of people. That and I you know. One where I'm like, I don't worry, I don't worry. We need to get into the case, right? I know, but but I will but say I really... one more thing. I had a meeting with my wedding planner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked my wedding planner to like get me like, what do I need to be doing right now? Because I because I feel like I should be doing something because I'm getting married soon. But like, what am I? And so she's That's been on sober. my she's been on my ass a little bit, mm-hmm. and. I literally asked her to do it. And yet I like every time she texts me, I'm like, what does she want? Like, oh, <laughs> I get Cassidy, that. if you're listening, I love you so much. And I'm so, so grateful much. for you. But like, I can't wait to meet you. And I literally ask you to do this. Yet you're stressing me out. <laughs> well, that's also just a personality trait of yours. That's permanent. Yeah. If anyone asks me to do anything, I'm going to stress about it. Yeah. Even if I have it in the if even if it's done, I'm going to stress about yeah. it. I don't know why. It's just I, I'm comfortable being a, a wreck. Great. It's not okay. <laughs> Let's talk about what we're here for. Yeah. True crime bride. Who the is true she? True crime bride. Who is she? Because let me start a true crime podcast when I'm planning my wedding. Absolutely. Because I have nothing else to do. And that fucking intro music. <gasps> Can we talk about the, Let's talk about the intro music really banger. quick. banger. Look at that. <laughs> it is fucking awesome. So I'm marrying this guy. His name is Aaron, whatever. Whatever. And I say to him, hey, I want this intro music and i want this to sound like this or whatever and then he comes back with that like the fuck that was the audacity. first draft that was <gasps> the first draft like no wonder i'm marrying that motherfucker is capricorn in his chart i don't know i don't think so no he has he's showing no signs of capricorn i'm telling you that right oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's showing oh. no signs he's just very talented oh my god yeah again love love my, yeah. my cheeks hurt from smiling about Aaron Downs. And he's going to be, uh, he's the audio engineer of this podcast, so we should get into the episode because he's going to be like, what are you talking about? Whatever. Anyway. No, don't so. yell at me. I'm too scared. <laughs> so this episode, we are talking about the murder of Annie Lay. I learned a lot about her case from an episode of the Oxygen Network's show called Wedding and a Murder. Are you kidding? So I'll be... Referring to that a lot, their episode regarding her case was called The Vanishing Bride-to-Be. Wow. And that is honestly the perfect way to describe this case. Okay. So, let's get into it. I will start by telling you that she is a Long Island bride. Oh my god. Now, do you god. know anything about Long one Island brides? One of our own. She's one of our own, baby. So, Erin <laughs> and I are from Long Island. Yes. We grew up literally like, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes, minutes away from each other? 10 yep. minutes away from each other. So, I felt this kinship. Absolutely. I was like, she's my girl. That's my kin right there. That is my kin. Like I said, she was a Long Island bride. She is from the town of Huntington Village. And <laughs> this show. It's so close. You know what I'm saying? It really it's is. like, what? It's so weird to think. It is really so close. And we yeah. know the area. We've been there many, so many times. Yeah. Our best friend went to high school in that area. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she... They referred to this town as a seaside oasis on Long Island. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know. I had Which, no idea. It is not by the sea. I'll oh. tell you that right now. 
Yeah. Which, huh. like, think about how many shows we watch on Oxygen, right? That we just trust, trust right. them. Right. <laughs> like, what they, is it called? Seaside Oasis? They called Huntington. The village. town of Huntington. Huntington Village. A seaside oasis. I'm about to Apple Maps There is this. a harbor there. A right. harbor. Right. That's what I'm thinking But not the of. sea. Wouldn't the sea be the ocean? Yeah. Right. No. Jones Beach is very far. <laughs> what? <laughs> Crazy. On. So, like, it, it dawned on me. I'm like, imagine just, like, a regular person watching this episode thinking, oh, this is a beach town. It right. is not a beach town. Right. Just, just putting that on the books. Just putting that on there. So we are in August 2009. So Annie Lay was planning her wedding in August 2009. All of her friends said that she was a super, super particular person planning her wedding. Really, Her hairdresser actually said that she was extremely particular with hair and makeup. Oh. Not in a bridezilla way, but in a very big, like, attention to detail kind of way. She wanted what she wanted. It's a great way to be. Respect. I respect that. I respect that completely. She was a perfectionist. Of course. I completely relate. It's your wedding day. She wanted personal touches in her wedding. She cared about the little things. Both of us do. I do too. I completely agree. Listen, you're getting married once. Yeah. That's the plan, right? Yeah. Her friends described her as a small but mighty person. She was barely five feet tall, but she was driven, opinionated, and she had a lot to say and give. I'm obsessed. I I love love Annie. I am already thinking Scorpio. Love her. Annie was born in San Jose, California to a Vietnamese-American family. She spent her whole childhood with her aunt and uncle. She was valedictorian of her graduating class of Union Mine High School in El Dorado, California. She was voted most likely to be the next Einstein. Whoa. I know. After earning approximately $160,000 in scholarship money, she attended and graduated the University of Rochester in New York. It's phenomenal. Can you imagine getting that much money going to college? I would be horrified my parents would kiss my feet <laughs> i would be so nervous of like oh my god i don't want to do the wrong thing to get it taken away <laughs> i think i got like a twenty thousand dollars scholarship i'm like oh my god that's amazing but like that's amazing, like, this is amazing. i'm so smart i'm so like she's so much smarter like, $160,000? so i guess that's that pays for the whole ride. thing right right isn't that a full ride university of rochester yeah. like how expensive could it be like right. i don't know I don't know, but like SUNY school crazy. Oh my God. Her major was cell developmental biology with a minor in medical anthropology. Woo girl. Literally going places. Sorry. I studied musical theater. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know what that was, but I respect it. Annie was then accepted into a graduate program at Yale that then would have led into earning a doctorate in pharmacology. That's amazing. Like, honestly, a fucking badass. What? Her research had applications in the treatment of diabetes and certain forms of cancer. Fuck yes. She was doing doing shit for the world. Yeah, she was. She really was. She wanted her wedding to be as flawless as her relationship with Jonathan Wadowski. Who she loved deeply. They both met at the University of Rochester as undergraduates. Annie was super bubbly and he was actually like so reserved. But they complimented each other. Yes, I was gonna say. Her friends were very much like, you know what, Annie? You landed a good one. Oh, we love the friend. We love a good friend. In 2008, they got engaged and they were thrilled and excited for their future. Her friend recalls 
that she got this gorgeous rock and was so in love and so excited for their future together. Wait, she just got graduated college? Yeah. And she got engaged right away like this? Yeah. Like, I think they were still in school and they were oh working towards their gosh. degrees. But they got engaged while they're still, like, she was like, let me go get my doctorate real quick. But think about how old you are. I mean, that's so young it's, it's to so know. Young. It is so young. And to know not only what you're going to do for the rest of your life and be fucking awesome at it. Yeah. The way she was. But have to like earn your doctorate and playing your wedding at the same time. That's it's a, a lot, lot of stress. It's a lot. That's a big commitment mm-hmm. to commit yourself to someone so young. It is. So engaged Annie heads off to Yale University to do her postgraduate studies, which is like the most impressive thing ever. Oh. Like I, I literally, I, I am so <laughs> impressed with her. What did she do when you got engaged? I didn't get my doctorate. I'll tell you that. Uh, I literally, neither I, did I. I also didn't start planning my wedding right away. I'll tell you that as well. Oh, I did. Oh yeah, you did. But I had you- everything booked by the end of, I got, <laughs> I got engaged March 4th, 2018 by March 23rd. I had almost everything booked and we went out to the good life. And we like that was literally the day did, I met Erin. I know, I know, <gasps> I know. Isn't that Wait, wild? That's weird. I know. That's weird. So you're welcome. So that's Wait, what that's I did weird. when I got engaged. Anyway, let's talk about Annie. Yeah, let's look, let's get back to it. So Annie heads off to Yale University to do her postgraduate studies. Amazing. Jonathan was as excited for her as she was. And in 2009, Annie was 24 years old and she was a student at Yale at this point studying (gasps) how fatty acids regulate an enzyme believed to be involved with cellular metabolism. And this was all to find out if the enzyme was linked to metabolic disease. She actually contributed to a paper that was published to the Journal of Clinical Investigation. Now, obviously, Annie was brilliant. Obviously. <laughs> I That kind of question would never cross my mind. Like, I don't have the I, I couldn't even imagine asking these questions. Or, like, she's fucking brilliant. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't imagine brains working that way. It's amazing. I'm so like truly. I I'm not even exaggerating. This is inspiring. Me too. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go get my PhD. I know. Uh, no, I'm too busy. I'm too. I'm too. I'm too busy. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. No, yeah. I, I, by too busy, I mean I'm a dumbass. Like. I- <laughs> So she gets to Yale, she hits the ground running with a full course load and long hours at the Animal Research Lab, where she was getting her PhD in pharmacology. And the pharmacology is the branch of medicine concerned with the uses, effect, and modes of actions of drugs. She was studying specifically how the delivery of medicines could cure degenerative diseases. She wanted to leave her mark on the world. That That was her point in all of this. Like you don't go through all of that to like just kind of like skate by. She wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Jonathan, her fiance, was in New York going to school in Columbia. Like oh, he also was a genius. Another scholar. Another scholar. This was a big hardship though on them. <gasps> Being away from each other and Jonathan and like juggling their schedule. It was just a very, very hectic yeah. time in their lives. While planning a wedding. Yeah. Despite being super busy with all of this, she found time to write a newspaper article, which would later prove to actually feel really spooky in her story. We'll get to that later. Yale Medicine School's B Magazine, titled Crime and Safety in New Haven, was published in February 2009. The article was about crime and safety, which is not in her usual wheelhouse to be talking about. She's a med student getting her PhD. 
but maybe she just had a passion in true mm-hmm. crime. Thank just you. Like, That's just a, like the rest of us. You led me into perfectly the next part. But it was more or less a passion. Yeah. Like a she had a passion for women's safety, specifically on campus. She inspired folks to work with a buddy at night on campus to just like know, Brilliant. like, hey, you should n- let someone know where you are at all times. Yeah. I completely agree. She heeded her own advice and was always in constant communication with her fiance, Jonathan. There really wasn't a moment where they didn't know where like one or the other was. They were in constant communication, which like there is not a moment, honestly, in my life that Aaron, my fiance, does not know where I am. Right. Not in a controlling way at all. Just like Checking if I'm in. leaving a place, I say, hey, I'm on my way home. Exactly. Hey, I'm doing Me this. Too. Hey, I'm doing this. You know, it's just someone should know where you are. Yeah. I believe. And also, my husband cares about where I am and, and yeah. cares about my safety. And exactly. I'm grateful for that. Exactly. On the weekends, they would spend as much time together as they possibly could, enjoying nature walks, watching the Mets. And in fact, Jonathan got her into the Mets like a lot. They became Let's super go fans. Mets. Let's go Mets. They would go to the games a lot and they would even like Skype if they were apart when there was Aww. a game and they would like watch the game together. Going to a Mets game? I've said this before. Mm-hmm. Is so much fun. Why is it so fun? I completely Why agree. is it so much fun? I don't I, know if it's a $70 cocktail. Is, is it the... Oh, I was going to say it's the cocktails. Oh, in the, in, in the Mets cups? I pay $17 for that cup and I said, I'm like, I'm bringing it home. Yeah. It's amazing. They're just it's the so energy. much fun. It's the energy and it's like, you know you're going to have a good time at the Mets game. I'm not even watching the game. I just love being here. I know. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. So as their wedding day approaches, Annie was up to her gills with stress. Oh, I bet. She was balancing work, research, school, planning a wedding. Like, writing I a have newspaper. Literally like, none of really? these problems except planning a Well, I have other problems, but like, I don't have to like research like solving cancer. Yeah. Like, I, like fatty acids and metabolizing. So, literally. Yes. And she is. And like, yeah. that's part of the stress. She went into complete overdrive though. Like, <gasps> she just had a lot on her plate and she honestly wasn't handling it very well. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, September 8th, 2009, this is five days before her wedding, she disappears. What? She was at work that morning at the lab. She never returned home that night, and her roommate reported her missing that oh evening. Oh, my. Oh. Let's stop right here and talk yeah. about five days before your wedding, you're still working. I don't think I could do that. Were you? Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you, like, people expect you to just, like, be normal when, like, five days from now you're supposed to be, like, doing this thing. I worked up until the day before I took off because I had, like, you know, I had to do stuff. So like two maybe days before? Maybe I had maybe two, like two days before because I was, you know, busy doing stuff. But yeah. five? That's okay. a lot. That's okay, a so that makes week. sense. So five days, I guess, okay. So like, <laughs> I'm imagining I need like a month before. <laughs> <laughs> so five days before her wedding, she was still working. So you tell me that's normal. Yeah. Like I trust, trust your opinion. <laughs> I mean, like she has a high stress <clears throat> job. She's in her PhD. Yeah. People relying on her. She doesn't have a lot of time yeah. to take, right? Yeah. So she ends up disappearing. She was at work that morning at the lab. She never returned home that night, and her roommate was very concerned. Yeah. According to the New Haven Police Department, Lieutenant Lisa Daddio, Yale missing persons reports weren't usually alarming. A lot of students would 
go away for the weekend or going to New York City and not tell anyone. And there like wasn't cause for alarm. Like these are adults, True. you know, but Annie's roommate was adamant that something was not right. She was very present, usually always told people where she was and her plans. She wrote a whole article about it. Oh, yeah. Like she was very, she was a big believer in everyone knowing where she was at all That's times. That's so true. And her roommate just felt like, hey, I would know if she was going away right now. Like, I would know if she was heading home. Yeah. And that was not the case. On Yale's campus, security is so tight. Is it? There are people 24-7 around. Obviously, it's, a, it's a college campus. So 24-7, yeah. there's people worming around. They had police, cameras, etc. It was rare for crime to happen for abductions to happen for anything Whoa. like that. So for someone to disappear without a trace, it was very unlikely. Mm-hmm. So she was totally overwhelmed by everything going on and took off. Like, is that what happened? Planning a wedding while getting your graduate's degree, which required so much research from Yale of all places. Yeah. That is a tall order. Oh, absolutely. She had no family around her. All of her family was on the West Coast still. Did she really just take off, disappear? Like, where is she? Where is my girl Annie? Was the pressure too much? Was she a runaway bride? Like, it, okay, the timing of it is admittedly not, suspicious. It's not great. It is five days before her wedding and no one knows where she is. This would appear super odd considering she was super in love with Jonathan, though, and very excited to get married. It is 24 hours now. <gasps> Nobody has seen or heard from her. Oh her family God. and friends didn't think so, but investigators seem to think it's a runaway bride situation based purely on the timing. Ugh, come on. Investigators tried to recount her steps. Annie did talk to a friend on the way to the lab that morning, so they knew that she was there Thursday morning, the day she disappeared. Now, for context, the lab is busy. Like, between researches and technicians, there's a lot of people super focused on whatever they're doing in this building. If they were in the lab itself, the doors were large. It was difficult to see anyone inside. Like no one really, everyone was like minding their business and doing their job. Like no one was really like concerned. Whatever right. They're doing. looking at their Petri dishes. <clears throat> exactly. All that stuff. One lab technician said he remembered her approximately at 1245 PM on that day, which is Tuesday, September 8th. And they had a normal like business, like regular interaction, like nothing to like hey. write home. Exactly. Completely friendly, normal. Please reach out to the public for help. It was a big media story. Again, the media. Oh, yeah, a yeah. beautiful young Yale student disappears days before her wedding. <gasps> what a fucking story. Right? The media grasped on. Oh, that's they, a headline. It is. And they spread photos of her, missing persons reports, the whole thing. Her friends and family found out that she was missing actually online. <gasps> Which... We Can need to you pause. imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can't actually. And and the more I research these cases, the more I realize there needs to be laws yes. in place to protect families from finding out these crimes from the media. There needs oh. to be laws in place to deter media from exposing these stories before their loved ones find out. It is horrific. It's just clickbait. Like, and, show some fucking respect. But there isn't. Ugh. Because they care about the clicks. They don't care about, like, your feelings. It's really, really scary stuff. So their family finds out online. All the family starts panicking, calling each other, calling everyone. They they knew absolutely nothing. 
They knew nothing about this. And they're finding out from the news. Oh, Local news God. just starts showing up to their homes. What? Saying, like, do you think she ran away? Is it the runaway bride? Like, sensationalism. Just trying wow. to find the story. Police weren't convinced at this point, though. Hours into the investigation, they suspected foul play. Annie was a perfectionist who was deeply into planning her wedding. Yeah. Like, she was deeply into every aspect of this. She wouldn't just give in to impulse and just run away. She just seems invested in everything that she does. She's like, I'm invested in this. Yeah. And I'm seeing it through. Yeah. Everyone knew at all times where she was and what she was doing. This was odd. Yeah. This did not add up. Something was wrong. Yeah. The theory of foul play is reinforced when they search Annie's office. <sighs> they found her wallet and cell phone. Okay. It was just evident that she wouldn't have run away without those things, unless, of course, she was, like, planning something for a significant amount of time. It was just unlikely. It was like she left the lab to just use the bathroom for a second and just never came. Because Literally. Why else would you have your phone and your wallet there? It's you wouldn't like you disappear s- with nothing. You stepped out for a second mm-hmm. and something happened. Yeah. So, like, they're saying, like, unless she planned this. Right. Which- she would never have left her stuff. Right. So as days went on, concern oh, intensified because they yeah. had no trace of her, no sign from her, no communication. Oh my God, her parents and Jonathan. Ugh, this is five days for her wedding. Oh my God. So now we're like three Freaking days. Out. You know, ex- exactly. The FBI ends up getting involved. They set up a command post on Yale's campus to assist the New Haven and Yale Police Department. Mm. They all work together, which is actually really cute because not all police departments work well together. No, they like, don't. Exactly. They're very territorial. They are, but all hands were on deck for the situation, which respect. Analytics, forensics, detectives coming up with leads. Everyone was working together. The FBI, the New Haven Police Department, and the Connecticut State Police were all involved. You always begin with whomever was closest to the victim, Mm -hmm. not only for information, but in some cases as a a suspect. Exactly. In this case, that would mean the fiance, Jonathan. But they lived separately. Exactly. They had. I would to, think the roommate. They had to them, but like rule him out. They had yeah, to like they do had that. To. He came up to New Haven to be interviewed. He was completely compliant Aww. and he had a thorough alibi. He had passed a polygraph. And so he was very, very quickly ruled out of any sort of involvement. So now they have <laughs> what? The entire campus of Yale as a suspect. Like <gasps> that is daunting. Yeah. The FBI had surveillance videos in their favor, though. The campus was riddled with cameras. Everywhere Ooh. you turn, there's a camera on Yale campus. It's amazing because I feel like you don't get that a lot. Yeah. Yale was but maybe extremely safe because of security measures the university had in place. Hmm. Key card access was required for every single door. Surveillance videos, closed circuit TV monitoring at every corner. Wow. CCTV closed circuit TV monitoring was at the entrance and exits of every single door on the entire campus, including the animal research lab, as well as within the hallways of the lab itself to help pinpoint Annie's movements that day that she disappeared. No cameras were in the actual lab. Okay. She actually did the experiments in. Yeah, exactly. But throughout the building, you know, every other doorway it was on the morning of September 8th, Annie left her apartment and took Yale Transit to Sterling Hall of Medicine on the Yale campus. At about 10 a.m., she walked from Sterling Hall to another campus building at 10 Amstead Street, where her research laboratory was located. So they could see her 
on CCTV going into her office shortly after leaving. Mm-hmm. They could track her leaving the building she lived in and heading to where she worked, which is the building where the animal research lab is housed and ultimately where she was last seen. They just never saw her come out? <gasps> it shows that she walked into the Yale Animal Research Center at 10.09 a.m. wearing a skirt, a t-shirt, and a beaded necklace, and there was no record of her leaving that day. What? There's no cameras How? in the lab itself. Okay. But on Yale's campus, every employee has a key card to get in and out of every single door they have yeah. to possibly get into. So you can track someone's movement that way. Wow. But she never, she didn't have a wallet. So she, she had it in the building, though. Right, but like... She maybe, didn't have it leaving. Right, but maybe she didn't bring her wallet. Maybe someone else used their card to go in and out. So maybe that's why they have no information on yeah. the key card. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons. They're oh required. So if you are entering or exiting, you are required to use this key card to get in and out of every single door to get into labs, various rooms mm-hmm. within the building. Annie's key card for that day shows at 10, 11 a.m. She went into the lab and that was it. She never left the lab. That is insane because you don't just disappear and you don't just vanish. That's the thing. This day and age, and this is 2009. That's amazing. Yeah, you you are tracked everywhere you go. Everywhere. If you are thinking of committing a crime. Don't fucking do it. Don't do it, especially if you have a phone or literally anything. Literally. Like, you are, like, there's no, there, honestly, at this point in time, there is no way. But I mean, say you and I worked at the lab. Yeah. And I left my stuff mm-hmm. and you brought your key card. Can we go into in that? Can seven? we go together? Yeah, of course so, you can. There's actually, so she could have gone in that with someone else. That has to be it. How could she not have? Left, she clearly left. Yeah, but she, there, but she, there's she, no video of her. But like, also like, there arguably maybe she forgot her key card in her office that day, oh, and she was way. like, "Hey, you buzz me in." Yes, exactly. Oh my there's gosh. a lot of reasons, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this is September 10th, 2009. This is three days before her wedding. <laughs> Annie is still missing. Oh, People no. are starting to like now fear the worst yeah because she's always in touch with people like there was this like no reason on earth that they would not hear from her so they're, they're like something happened and i mean 24 hours is a long time anything longer than that mm-hmm. i mean my stomach would be a nuts oh my it God. is <laughs> i know they knew how excited she was to be married mm-hmm. how excited she was for her wedding yeah. day how she, like particular she was about everything this all pointed to something horrible happened yeah Police started interviewing employees of the lab and everyone in the building, as well as family and friends of Annie. Investigators started digging deeper into details about her personal life. They really like held on to the wedding, though. They were like, mm, "That feels like a that feels like a reason to run okay. away." They believed that the wedding had something to do with this. They started to think, "Okay, well, maybe she's having an affair with someone else. Oh, like, is gosh. this person?" jilted or involved in some way like what is there's this there's a story okay i could see that nothing not no emails no text nothing remotely suspicious about annie's life or anything she like left behind like could ever lead to this actual suspicion being a reality so they're just trying everything just racking their brains and they have nothing and they have nothing they have nothing there's no they, they couldn't go to like cell phone data like there's nothing she has nothing. Everything leads back to this lab. Yeah. This is the last place she was seen. Everything ended here. Connecticut State Police are called into 10 Armstead to start the process 
as, you know, a crime scene. At this point, it's been days and they haven't processed this place as a crime scene. Whoa. That's long. It is a long time. But maybe that's normal. I don't know. You know, I don't know either, but it feels not normal to me. I guess maybe you're a missing person after 48 hours and then... Because if you're an adult and you disappear, you're not actually considered missing for a long time. Right. And even if, like, in this case, Annie always told people where she was. There was no reason that she would disappear. But they're like, she's an adult. She could disappear if she wants. Right. It's so problematic in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's all these hours then, like just 48 hours. Because she's an adult, oh, it doesn't matter. I can't matter. imagine not knowing no. where my fiance But it's 48 hours that like potentially she could have been yes. saved or potentially she could have been, like something could have been done. But because she's an adult, you're essentially allowed to go missing. Mm-hmm. They noticed on the FBI footage around noon on September 8th, they noticed there was this mass exodus of people from the building that housed the lab. And that was very unusual. Someone actually had pulled the fire alarm at that time. Oh. So they're watching this footage and they say, why are all these people like exiting this right. building at this exact time? Oh, the day I wish we missing? had sound. I know. So right? I know. There's a mass group of people exiting the building from every single door. So they're watching this video and they're like, Annie has to be in this group, right? Yeah. Like, where is she? She's nowhere to be found. <gasps> they spent hours combing through this footage Searching every single door, but there is no single trace of her. So how did she leave the building? They searched the building. She's not anywhere in the building. And there was a fire alarm. Wait, that's the day that she went missing. Exactly. Well, that's the the day that everything went down. But what if the person that did something to her pulled a fire alarm and then there was no one in the building? So that's time. That's not accounted for. Oh my God, are you brilliant? We're going to get there. But like, that is a really good assumption. Yes. But like, if they watch. No one to hear. The thing about Yale is there's videos everywhere. So they're all watching. There's no trace of her leaving that building during that time. So one of the detectives on the case goes home to have dinner with his family. Just randomly, right? And Everybody's got to eat. Yeah, you got to eat, got to eat, got to see his family. He Recharge. He's eating, and one of his daughters was doing randomly a handstand in the <laughs> kitchen at the time. And he's just like randomly, he's just watching her. And he realizes as he's watching her that this daughter is roughly the same size as Annie. And he asks her to lay on the floor, and he picks her up and pulls her over his shoulder and walks around with her. He concludes from that that perhaps the suspect disposed of Annie's body Dang. in the trash. Because he's like, that was easy. That was easy. She's small. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking awful theory to consider, but one that actually had to be considered. Right. That they started to track the trash yeah. from the building. And they started to see, like, where does all the trash streams go? Regular trash, animal waste, animal yeah. carcasses. Recy- it's a lab. Yeah, it is. So they searched all the areas where it would go. Mm-hmm. They searched everything. They went to the areas of where Yale's garbage is taken, and they searched everything. They found literally nothing. Are you kidding me? Because that's such a good theory. Mm-hmm. So they asked themselves, well, is she still alive? Is it possible? Like, yeah. where is she? Was she abducted? Did she leave on her own? Is she inside the facility somewhere alive? Like, is she dead inside of the facility? They had no answers at this point. Ugh. From September 8th, to the 11th there was no sign of her they'd been in the building around 3 a.m to 4 a.m looking like they were just looking for everywhere oh so let's go back to the key card yeah please take me back shortly after she entered the lab 
There's a flurry of activity in various other labs around her. Oh. There are 11 enters and exits into the lab called G22, which is not her lab. Just so you know. This lab was at a dead end in a corridor. Mm -hmm. So they focus on this. G22. They go in and brace themselves for what they could potentially find. Right. But it's just storage. It's all storage. harder. Boxes and boxes stacked on rolling carts. Nothing is being used in this room. They're like, well, why? So they turn off all the lights and they get down on the floor. They're just searching. They start panning with a flashlight to see if they could see anything, like blood, etc. Anything. As soon as they did, they see a shadow shoot across the floor and they stopped. They approach. It was a bead. I knew it was going to be a bead. How did you? Megan, I knew it was going to be a bead. How did you know? I no. I swear to you. You could never. I was like, there's going to be a bead on the floor. How dare you? Why do you think that? I don't know. How dare you? Okay, well, we're going to get to let's, let's find out why. Yes, tell me why there's a bead. They could clearly see on the surveillance from when she entered the building that day that she was wearing a brown beaded necklace. Oh, I'm getting chills. And they quickly realized this is a bead from her necklace. Friday, September 11th, 2009. Two days before her wedding, oh, God. all friends and family are just like praying for a miracle. They're like, she's got to be found. She's going to make it to this wedding. Like they're all holding out hope, including her fiance. Yeah. After police found this bead in the storage room, they felt it was a sign of a struggle or an attack. Like yeah. something was wrong. Yeah. Something yeah. was Red wrong. Flag. She was in danger. She's not okay. Yeah. So they actually started to bang on the walls. It was all like metal walls. Yeah. And there was a lot of metal in this storage unit. They would knock, they'd pause, and they'd listen in hopes to hear something. They, like, kind of had this thought that maybe she was, like, in the walls or something. Looking for studs, looking Mm -hmm. for gaps, looking for a way to get in there. Maybe she was, like, tied up someplace, etc. They were yelling and nothing. Absolutely nothing. This is gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, my whole body. This is two days for her wedding. My whole body is grieving right now. I know. They start digging into the room more. They move everything. They move a stainless steel rolling cart and the wall behind it was they found speckles of blood. There was blood spatter on the wall. Yeah. To investigators, it looked like aspirated, like it came out of her mouth. It was very low to the ground and it was fine. So it was like a spray to them. It looked like it was spray. Can I tell you my first thought? When they were on the floor with the flashlight and they found the bead... I was like, why are they looking with a flashlight? Let's get the lights off. Where's the luminol? Yeah, luminol. You know you got it. Get, put lu- Where is the luminol on deck? Literally, luminol everything. And we could have, we could have, you know, skipped how many minutes here so in this investigation? Minutes. Give me the luminol, turn the lights off, boom, you would have found the blood. You would have missed the bead, but you would have found the blood. But, like, but I e- guess everything happens for a reason. They found the bead. Yeah, I know. They found the aspirated blood. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'll take it. But I'll like, take I it for agree. Annie. Like, if I was a detective, I would walk into a room and immediately luminol the entire place. Immediately. Immediately. I'm not looking Spray for bees. It. I'm looking for luminol. Exactly. I'm looking for luminol and then blood. Absolutely. That's it. FBI starts to look at who else entered the building that day. Mm-hmm. Finally. Um, it's a huge <laughs> undertaking. Because there's so many people in and out of this building. Yeah. Like, so many people work in this building. Like, there was, it was, it's impossible to, like, say who could be a suspect here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they actually end up pooling it down to one or two or three people, actually. Wait, 
Can I just ask you a question? Yeah. It's not going to spoil it. Okay. But without telling me, is this an unsolved mystery? No. <gasps> okay. The FBI narrows it down to two or three people it could possibly really? be because they were all people in the area at that exact time. Oh. It was two contractors who work at Yale often okay. and a lab tech who worked at the Yale Animal Research Center. Yeah, it's got to be that person. The two contractors were investigated, interviewed, no, completely no, cooperative. No. What they had to say and what witnesses they had to say, they, they, which is basically quickly ruled out. They yeah. had nothing to do with it. Right. The lab tech, who was the last person to see Annie at 12.45 on Tuesday, his name is Raymond Clark. Oh, absolutely. The initial, Let's talk about it. The initial interview was in a break room at the Yale Animal Research Center where he says he saw her. But he has no idea where she was. Oh, I have no fucking idea. Where she went. Fuck he you. He said their encounter was friendly and business as usual. Hello, goodbye, and that's it. He Lie. wasn't nervous or hesitant. He was completely cooperative in their interview. Lie. No, There was no reason to have suspicion against Raymond. Raymond said he saw Annie when he got back from lunch, when Annie was leaving the lab for the day. So there's no record of her leaving that day, so... That was actually a lie, right? She didn't yeah. leave. Didn't I just say lie? So you said, okay, well, she was leaving, but she never exited a door. Right. So that's interesting because we have these little cards, right, that say when we enter and exit a door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they start plugging in on Raymond's movements. They want to see what movements he did that day. <sighs> I'm feeling really good about this. Annie Lay goes into her lab, which is called G13, at 10, 11 a.m. Raymond Clark enters her lab, G13, at 10.40 a.m. Interesting that she was found at G22. Mm -hmm. He's the last person in that room with Annie Lay. And then she's off the map. She never exited that room. She's gone. Her key card is never used again after that. So he is the last person in that room with her. He can't even deny it even if he fucking tried. He couldn't. Raymond Clark is still badging into other rooms in the facility and moving around, but Annie Lay is not moving. So he enters this lab, Mm -hmm. right? So to recap, she's in her lab. Yes. Minding her own business and doing her fucking badass fucking shit. 30 minutes later, he enters the lab. She never leaves, but he does. I hate him. Right. But that's also not saying he did any... Truly... Okay, so he goes in and goes out? Like, that doesn't mean he did anything. Ugh, fine. Like, I'm just saying. That really doesn't mean anything, but it does mean that he's the last person to see her. It does. CCTV shows Raymond Clark actually exited that building that day when that fire alarm was pulled. He walked across the street to a park area. There were steps there. He sat down on the steps. He puts his head in his hands, and it looked... Suspicious. It looked yeah. like a reactionary. Like, what did I do? Oh my god. Yeah. So they kept working on their leads, but they heavily dig into Raymond Clark and started to surveil him. He's a young guy in his twenties, more or less just like a literal normal guy. He has no criminal history, nothing. They kept a close eye on him while also carrying out detailed search of other buildings. Every single room, top to bottom, that she ever had been in. They started pushing up ceiling tiles. Nothing. There's no sign of her. Are you kidding me? Until they're pushing up tiles in the building where the lab is, and they find a blue rubber glove with blood on it. Wait, G22? G13? They're in the building. 
Okay. They're in the building where, her, where the lab is. Okay. They find a blue rubber glove with blood on it oh, no. and a white sock with blood on it no. in a ceiling tile. What? They stop everything and said, okay, we have someone who's hiding evidence on us. <gasps> like, they finally were like, okay, there's, this is like literally the first thing we find ever yeah. that has like blood on it. So... It is Sunday, September 13th, 2009. No, is that her wedding day? It's her wedding day. No, they found her on her wedding day. It ended up being a perfect day that day in Huntington, New York, where they were supposed to be married. No, I am 90 miles away in Yale, Connecticut. State police are looking for her still. Oh my God, this is a nightmare. It's 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning, and they all knew. They all, everyone that day working knew it was her wedding day that day. Fuck. So, like, if she wasn't there getting married, something terrible happened to this woman and they all like it like it was like they all knew but now they really heavy it's exactly it must have been so heavy you know doing that investigation looking through the tile finding the bloody glove and the bloody sock to just be like truly they walked now we have confirmation yeah it's true they walked into a bathroom within the facility they were still searching this building and they caught a scent Mm. they were walking around the detective would lose the scent, would come back. The detective ends up on his hands and knees around the toilet. And he said, oh, God, you know, I've been a detective for 18 years. I know what decomps. Whoa. Like. And he's around like, it was the toilet. And it was, he was like, I smell it around this toilet right now. Where's the But he's like, I, he's like, I smell decomp and I don't know where it's coming from. What the hell? So they're looking around and behind the toilet, there's this like tiny metal mechanical box. Like one of those, like a little like metal door where like hit, like um like switches would be in in like a basement. Oh, okay. They open this like behind panel, the toilet. Behind the toilet, it's like a random ass room they've never been in before in this huge ass building. The last building she was ever in. Oh no. They opened the access panel and they see blood on the oh. door, and they also see screws were missing. Oh dear. So they open the door, there's like insulation and dust and sheetrock, and they move it all aside, and sadly, there's Annie. She was right there. The box was the size of like two to three shoe boxes. It was so small. She was stuffed inside (gasps) this box, upside down. What? She was stuffed into the... Many of her bones were broken because they had like shoved her in this little tiny space. She was wearing the same outfit. That she was last seen on the CCTV footage wearing. So she had never left that building. Wow. That is horrific. Annie was found on her wedding day. No. They searched 24 hours a day for five days straight. And her body was found on the morning of her, what would have been her wedding day. That really irks me. It is like, it it is. Because I I remember what I was doing, like morning of my wedding day. And that's you know? what she was, it's just, it's just like on every level, it's disgusting. And, and I remember what my mom was doing. She was getting ready and oh my God. I'm nervous about litter- sandwiches. So <laughs> nervous about the sandwiches. Oh, So law God. enforcement recount how that was one of the worst days of their entire career. Yeah. They had to break the news to her fiance that on the day oh. of what should have been the happiest day of their life, they found his fiance's body. Oh my God. I can't even imagine Dave hearing that. It was ruled by the Connecticut medical examiner that she was strangled. Traumatic <gasps> asphyxia due to neck compression. Fuck that's you, a, Raymond. That's a legal term. One of... <laughs> fuck you. <Raymond. laughs> 
One of Annie's friends recalls how the newspaper reporter at the scene called to tell her about the news and the matter of which Annie was dead. Like the media. Wait, the news reporter called her best friend. The media was like telling family and friends before they actually heard from police. Which to me, there needs to be laws. There needs to be laws. You know there what? needs to be. I'm sorry. The media should not know before. There the needs family. to be legislation. There really does. I 100 would support and like pick it for that. Like I, I truly, it's disgusting and scary that like the media would know before you. Yeah. Now investigators shift from finding Annie to finding her murderer. Oh no. The prime suspect is the lab tech, who was the last person to essentially see her alive, and his name is Raymond Clark. He was cooperative friendly of course helpful. they always weasel their way into the fucking he investigation agreed immediately to an examination <sighs> he took a polygraph and two hours after it was completed the polygraph examiner confronted clark and he said that he completely flunked it <gasps> clark immediately lawyered up and that was a lie investigators through the whole process were just like completely like stumped but also they were like Raymond was the last person to see her like this is our league right now so this is what happened Annie went into work to conduct her research Mm -hmm. she checked in she checked her mice who she was conducting the research on Ray Clark shortly after goes into Annie's lab room and there's an exchange between the two of them something angers Ray Mm -hmm. and he snaps and kills Annie what the fuck was he in love with her and then the fire alarm goes off Uh, And he has to leave. It was later realized the fire alarm was a false alarm that was caused by autoclaves, which is a large dishwasher type of mechanism that is used to clean large amounts of equipment that's used to, you know, they have so much equipment that goes on in this, like these labs. And basically the steam of this equipment set off a fire alarm. So it was a purely a coincidence? It was a coincidence. He had just killed her. Coincidentally, and this fire alarm goes off, and he then does the fire drill. <laughs> what <the> fuck? <laughs> Evidence soon supports that Clark was likely the killer. Yeah. They collected hundreds of pieces of evidence, and part of that was the clothing Annie was wearing when she was discovered in the wall, and it was sent to examination to see if they could recover any DNA from the clothing, especially looking to see if they could find any of Clark's DNA on Annie's clothing. A comparison was made at the forensics lab and bingo, it was Clark's DNA. Bingo was his name of Raymond. It was all over her clothing. Ew! So now they had evidence that puts him in the bathroom with her where her body was found and they also <gasps> have key card tracking evidence that supports all of this too. Oh my god. And, and they why? have enough for, exactly, why? why? Well, we're going to find out. They have enough to arrest him. Yeah. On September 17th, 2009, four days after her wedding day, her murderer is arrested, Ray Clark. He knew it was coming because they took hair from him and they did a mouth swab and he's a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. He literally knew. He knew. I mean, you got into Yale, bro. Exactly. At the time of his arrest, Ray Clark was in a hotel in Cromwell, Connecticut and was being surveilled by police and a whole team of law enforcement was following him. They walked through his door. He stood up, put his hands behind his back and he was told he was under arrest, taken to New Haven Police Department for booking. He compl- he literally knew, they're coming for me. I hate you with 
a mm-hmm. passion. How dare you kill this girl? Yeah. How dare you? Uh-huh. Friends of Annie's heard about Razor Rest on the news. What? No, they, they literally got their information Again? from the news. Of the whole time. The whole time. The whole fucking time. And where were they even getting the information? I guess like someone in like had a connection to their police and the like the media had There's a mole, there's a rat. Uh, yeah, exactly. What or they the had heck? they were informed before the family. Like that's just really what it was. That is insane. Yeah. So well, it turns out oh that Ray Clark had a deep infatuation with Obviously. Annie. We he knew was, this was coming. He was obsessed with her. <gasps> That is he so would creepy. Watch her in the lab That's every single day. That's probably why she was so into writing the newspaper article uh-huh. because she was like, <gasps> And the thing is, we will so never actually know how long it went on for. Oh. All of this happened because she was leaving to get married and he couldn't Whoa. handle it. Sometime there was an argument that happened and Ray snapped. Wow. And he ended up strangling her. That is so disturbing. Literally, it's that simple. And horrendous and horrific it's not simple but like that's what happened he was infatuated she was getting married he lost his shit killed her (gasps) march 17th 2011 raymond clark pleads guilty to murder and attempted sexual assault (gasps) he's sentenced to 44 years in state custody and is scheduled to be released on september 16th 2053 it should be forever 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 fucking rotten jail how do people murder someone and then get out what at sentencing, Ray read a statement saying that he was sorry and he was aware that he ruined so many lives, oh. including his own. Oh, you ruined your own life. Oh, uh, you I'm ruined so sorry. your life. You ruined your life. Let's talk about more about you. And you're going to be in jail alive until 2053 and our fucking best friend Annie is dead. Fuck I love you. Annie. To this day, he has never said why he did this. Apparently, he'd rather see her dead than married to someone else. Wow. So he was obsessed with her and loved her, but he'd rather kill her. That's what they do. Than see her with someone else. That's what they do. Her friends and family mourn the huge loss of this shining human being. Yes. Who could have literally changed history. Oh, yeah. The medical field and someone (gasps) who really honestly could have made a difference in so many people's lives. Actually goosebumps. And that is unfortunately the way Annie's life ended. And to this day, Jonathan is out there still living, as far as I know, in the same area. Yeah. Just like somehow trying to conduct a normal life, but this is something that happened and in his life. And I can't imagine. And I just hope that somehow he's able to be okay. And oh, me too. But that's the story of any lay. That is devastating. It is. Thank you, Erin. Thank you. I'm sorry. Like, these are such... We don't have any good stories. I have to tell you that. If you're going to be on this podcast, you're not going to leave feeling good. I feel so let down. (laughs) Although I'm in, you know, great company. I know. But I do feel very let down. I know. But, like, can we just please fucking protect women? I can't even handle it. Please. And... Let's protect grieving families. That too. I, I really I really feel strongly about that. Me too. Because the media, God, it's good for so much and it's terrible for so much. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for being here. Oh, of course. Love thank you, you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm available anytime. I can't wait. I feel like we, I feel like this is um you're the right voice in this uh, these cases. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So that is another case of the true crime bride. We'll be back next time with a brand new case. 
and I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, make sure you're following the True Crime Bride on social media. You can find me on Instagram at True Crime Bride, on TikTok at Megan Biles NYC, that's M-E-G-H-A-N. You can email me at truecrimebridepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would be so kind, please leave me a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This really helps the podcast and will help me keep delivering awesome episodes to you every week.